Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. When I started this podcast, I knew I wanted the interviews to consist of two pieces. The main conversation about an interviewee's sexual history and any storytelling they were willing to do. Then the Q&A, originally called the Quick Five, now called the Lowdown. I imagined the Q&A as my opportunity to ask women the questions I'd been wondering about. Was every woman actually shaved down there? And was I a prude for not going there? Were there other women who liked to give blowjobs but couldn't stand to swallow? Or was I the anomaly? Do other women worry as much as I do about how they smell and taste? Or were there other women who were more resilient to the cultural narrative than I have been? In fact, in the early days of interviews, what I was really asking women in the Q&A was, am I normal? Almost every one of the questions was one that I was struggling with as I came to a deeper sense of acceptance around my sexuality and my right to bodily autonomy. It only took a handful of interviews for me to realize that I was far from the only one who wondered about these things and was afraid that I was alone. That was so comforting that I began to expand the questions to include things I'd heard other women wondering about. Was it okay that their idea of kinky was sex with the lights on? Was their body broken because it takes them a long time to orgasm? And by the way, what actually constitutes a long time? Was it a problem that they enjoyed their orgasms from masturbation more than their orgasms from partnered sex? I also removed some questions that didn't seem to be getting fruitful results. Or in the case of this question, approximately how many sex partners have you had, seemed to make interviewees uncomfortable. There always seemed to be an assumption that their number was too low or too high. So for a while, I stopped asking. And then in an off-mic coaching call with a client in her late 20s, she expressed her dread of letting a potential suitor know that she'd only had sex with one person. She saw herself as a total freak and was sure she would be summarily rejected by anyone who knew the truth. She was certain that no one else in their late 20s had the limited experiences like she did. 
Around the same time, I had a conversation with one of my sex-positive polyamorous friends where we were talking about our, quote, numbers. She joyfully proclaimed that her number was pretty low, only about 85 or 90. With those two conversations juxtaposed in my mind, I knew it was time to bring the question back because there is perhaps no other question that prompts so much fear and shame as this one. So here are the answers from about 35 of the 60 interviews I've done. And before we get started, I want to be really clear. No matter what your number is, you are absolutely normal. No matter what your number is, it is common. There is no need to feel shame about your number, no matter how high or how low you might judge it to be. There is someone out there who wants to love you regardless of what your number is. I'll tell you about my number in a few minutes. I think 20. Nine. I just added that the other day. Oh, gosh. I've had a lot of playmates. Um, I guess 50, maybe Mm -hmm. probably more, but that's what the number that comes to the top of my head. Oh, my gosh. 20? Probably about 20. Oh, gosh. I have no idea. Probably somewhere between 20 and 30. Uh, one. Um, I'm sorry to say that I cannot give an accurate number because I didn't start counting when I should have. But does this mean any partner, like partner is in just engaged sexually with? Uh, I leave it up to you to decide who you want to include. Okay. I've definitely slept with more than a hundred people. I probably think it's at least 200 now because I do count all of it. North of 35, but I don't know the exact number. 12. I wasn't going for quantity and (laughs) it was more about who could withstand the screening process. If you can't write me a note, if you can't talk on the phone, if you won't let me do a background check, um, and I did a background check on everybody. In my personal life, I think it's like 35. And in terms of work, like I, I started keeping track of the, how many people I had been with when I first, first started working. And I very quickly realized that there was no point in doing that. To me, sex work, uh, life and personal life are very separate. So yeah. I don't even, count those people but I did run the numbers in terms of like full service uh, clients back when I first started I was already in the thousands after being in and out of the industry for about seven years your guess is as good as mine 10,000 like I have no idea and I don't think it serves me to know that number either (laughs) (laughs) oh just the one okay yeah I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I tried to like, I was like, well, maybe I could come up with a range. 20, 22. <laughs> well, going back to before I was married, the first time is going to put the number up. So probably about 40. You know, I honestly don't know. Like my gut says to me somewhere around maybe 30. I think I stopped counting at like 50. 100 plus. 
Uh, probably like six or seven. Hmm, I would say approximately five. I did a count before I talked to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 14. 16? Over 30. Ooh, I would say 20, 25, 12. Like somewhere between 10 to 13. Um, it's got to be over 150. Um, about seven. I've had four. Well, I mean, I guess you're, that depends. Are we talking about penetrative sex? Or are we talking about oral sex? Or We're talking about however you define it. Hmm. Well, normally my answer would be four. That would be penetrative sex. But if we want to get technical about it, I guess my answer could be six if we're including oral sex. Uh, close to 200, probably. Somewhere between 20 and 40? I am somewhere in the upper 30s. I literally don't know. Uh, 40, 50? I don't know. So, what is my number? I'd actually be hard-pressed to tell you. Not just because I stopped keeping track during my journey of sexual healing, but also because what is encompassed in that number? Prior to my 40th birthday, I'd had intercourse with five men. I'd fooled around with a handful of other men and a couple women, but I didn't count those because there wasn't intercourse. I didn't count the couple of guys that I had given blowjobs to or received oral sex from, but stopped short of penile penetration. I didn't count the guy in college who penetrated me with his fingers, even though I was deeply uncomfortable with it, both emotionally and physically. Between ages 40 and 42, I had sex with two more people, one man and one woman. And that's when it hit me. The intimacy with a woman obviously counted, but there was no penis or dildo involved for penetration So what was it that I was counting? What does sex actually mean? Is it achieving an orgasm? Well, that can't be right, because there's plenty of penis and vagina penetration that doesn't achieve an orgasm, and I've had a lot of it. And what if one person orgasms, but the other doesn't? Does that mean one of them had sex and the other didn't? That's blatantly absurd. So perhaps it's defined by genital touch. That might be a little closer, but what about people who are fully clothed and grinding against each other's genitals to the point of orgasm? There's no direct contact with the genitals, but I'd argue that's still a sexual encounter. So that can't be the answer. After a lot of thought, and conversation with my sex-positive friends, each of whom has their own answers to this question, I've come to my own definition of what sex is. To me, sex is any activity that has the potential of creating an orgasm, whether it does or not. In my mind, that covers a lot of bases. Penetration without orgasm? That's sex, because it has the potential of creating an orgasm. Stimulation with direct skin contact? That's sex because it has the potential of creating an orgasm. 
A woman who can orgasm from having her breasts touched? Yes. Two women stimulating each other without any penetration? Absolutely. A man jacking himself off in the privacy of his own bedroom? Definitely. We call that masturbation, but another term for it is solo sex. So with this new definition of sex as any activity that has the potential to create an orgasm, I honestly have no idea how many people I've had sex with. During my sexual healing journey, I had encounters with many, many, many people. Only three or four of them ended in any type of penetrative activity. But I can guarantee you that there were a lot of other types of sex happening, along with pleasure, giggling, orgasms, and all sorts of other fun stuff. The problems with defining sex as being penetrated by a penis are many. First, it would suggest that all lesbians who have never been with a man are still virgins, which is, again, totally absurd. But it also centers the entire sex act around the man. And not just around the man, but around five or six inches of his body. And it makes the woman's genitals nothing more than a receptacle for his penis. It's also incredibly heteronormative. Which is why I think so much heterosexual sex falls into the wham-bam-thank-you-ma'am category. The guy does just enough to get her interested, though frequently not enough to get her really turned on and lubricated, so that he can stick his dick in her and have a release. It's all we've been taught. It's all we know to expect. But there is so much more possible. When I'm working with a client who wants to revive her sex life with her partner, I often suggest that they take penetrative sex off the table for a few weeks and get back to just enjoying each other's bodies, your whole bodies, not just your genitals. So what's my number? I'd say it's probably somewhere around 50. I've lost count and I'm perfectly happy that way. I want to invite you to imagine for a moment what your ideal sex life looks like and feels like. Who are you with? What type of sex do you have together? How do you feel while touching them? And how does your body feel when they touch you? Or maybe you'd like to be having less sex than you're currently having. If you don't know, or if that vision of your ideal doesn't look at all like what's currently going on in your bedroom, I can help. With personalized sex and intimacy coaching, we'll explore where you are, how you got here, where you want to be, and the steps to help you get there. There are no right or wrong answers, just the answers that work for you. I understand that exploring your sexuality and all that goes with it, your body image, your belief in your lovability, and more can be terrifying. Believe me, I sat in the middle of that fire for decades. 
I know how painful it is. But I also stepped out the other side, stronger, more confident, and more certain of my lovability and desirability, and I want the same for you. I work with couples and one-on-one, whether you've never explored your sexual desires before, or you want to explore things you've never done before, like maybe BDSM or non-monogamy, or if you and your partner need some help figuring out how to communicate together so you can have better sex. I'm queer, kinky, and poly-friendly, and I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. Together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. A new client recently said that before her discovery call, she was extremely nervous, but that I made the experience feel easy and comfortable. So book your free discovery call today at leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Am I normal? 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 Hey, Leah, I'm wondering if I'm normal because I've been married to my husband for 15 years and we have two kids. I love him, but our sex life is pretty stale. Um, recently, I met a woman through a Facebook group. and We've developed an intense attachment really quickly. We started video chatting during our quarantine and I can't stop thinking about her. The other day, I realized that the last several people I've been attracted to have been women. Am I a lesbian? Is my marriage a sham? I don't, how do I explore this without wrecking my marriage? Am I normal? Dear listener, thank you for your bravery in admitting to yourself what's going on in your brain and your body. First things first, you probably already know this, but I can't tell you if you're a lesbian. No one can, because it's an entirely personal thing. It's also potentially a changeable thing, which means that your marriage has not been a sham. Our desires and preferences can and do change over time. So if you were attracted to your husband earlier in life and you're not now, that doesn't mean you were lying to him or yourself. It's like you developed a taste for strawberry ice cream, which you hadn't ever ordered before. It doesn't mean that you were lying about liking chocolate for all those years. You just have a new experience and a new perspective today. We're also living in a moment in history when being something other than straight is gaining acceptance. So you may finally be experiencing some desires that you'd hidden even from yourself for many years, because it didn't feel normal or acceptable. So regardless of how or why you got here, here you are. You're having urges toward women. What to do now? You said that you don't want to blow up your marriage without a better understanding of what's going on. And I totally support you in that. So let's look at some ways you can interrogate these urges further that don't require breaking the boundaries of what I presume is a monogamous heterosexual marriage. First, consider your fantasies. When you're masturbating, having sex, fantasizing, having sexy dreams, are they about penises? 
or about breasts and vulvas. Your fantasies can be a really good guide. If your fantasies center on male-bodied people, chances are good that your sexual desires still tend toward the masculine, and the urges you're feeling are the desire to be seen and understood in ways that women traditionally do more fully. If your fantasies center on female-bodied people, that doesn't automatically mean you're a lesbian, but there's a good chance that the attraction is sexual and not an outgrowth of a different emotional need. So next, watch some movies and television that depict sexy times between women and watch some that depict sexy times between heterosexual couples. What you're looking for is to see what turns you on. Do you get as turned on by watching two women together as you do with heterosexual couples? If you're open to watching something more explicit, seek out the work of feminist porn directors. I'll put some links in the show notes. Porn will take you further into the sex act, but these female directors do it in a way that's not objectifying or degrading to women. If you're more of a words person than a visual person, check out the stories on Literotica. I'll also put that link in the show notes. And do the same type of exploration between lesbian stories and heterosexual stories, which turn you on more to read about. And if both turn you on, there's a really good chance that you're bisexual or pansexual, meaning that you're attracted to multiple genders. Studies show that women tend to be significantly more fluid in their sexual attractions than men. Whether that's a biological truth or a societal construct is a debate for another day. But what that means is that it's not unusual for your preferences to shift and change over time, maybe many times over the course of your life. So now if you've done these things and you're feeling strongly that this attraction is real and you want to continue following it, I suggest finding a lesbian or queer bar and spending an evening there. The idea is not to get picked up or do anything in particular, except pay attention to your own responses to what you're seeing and feeling. You'll need to make a decision about whether this falls within the bounds of your monogamous agreement. My feeling is that if you could go into a regular bar without worrying that you're violating your vows, you should be able to go into a queer space without worrying. Here's what I highly do not suggest that you do. Ask your husband for a threesome. Honestly, this is the worst possible way forward for so many reasons. Communication and negotiation is hard enough between two people. Bringing a third person into the mix increases the challenges exponentially, especially when the two main people have things unsaid between them. Having a threesome can be terrifically fun and satisfying if there are boundaries and agreements in place and there's excellent communication in all three directions. But too often, the main couple is only thinking about themselves and treats the third person they bring in as a prop for their sexual exploration. There's little thought given to her emotional safety, and it can do harm. 
especially if the primary couple ends up having feelings come up that need to be handled in the moment, and she's left out in the cold as they process, which often looks like fighting and hostility, both at each other and at the third. Opening your bedroom to another woman so you can have an experience may seem like the most obvious and easiest solution, but it's a situation that most people haven't properly prepared themselves for, and it can be really messy. Okay, so you've examined your fantasies, read some erotica, watched some movies and porn. You have not suggested to your husband that you have a threesome. There's one final thing I want to offer you as food for thought. Our sexual desires and our relationship desires don't always match up. I'll use myself as an example. I love women's curves their hips, their breasts, their thighs, their tummies. I find everything about a woman's body intoxicating. However, I learned something important about myself during my time of sexual exploration. While my short-term attachments to women were strong, the idea of forming a long-term attachment to any of those women didn't excite me. It's much easier for me to imagine forming a lifetime attachment with a male than with a female. What I was experiencing was that my sexual attractions, whose body I want to touch, and my romantic attachments, who I want to spend my life with, don't fall directly in line with each other. I suppose you could look at this as a cruel quirk of fate, but I actually find it kind of comforting. I notice beauty and attractiveness in all genders. I'm bisexual or pansexual. I am equally happy to engage sexually with someone of any gender who piques my interest, bisexual or pansexual. But beyond a relatively short time, my investment in the female-female relationship dynamic wanes. It's not that my appreciation for her as a person disappears. It's not that my appreciation for her body disappears. But I'm not motivated to do the work needed to build the foundation of a lasting bond. On the other hand, after a similarly short time with the right man, my investment in the male-female relationship dynamic intensifies. That's heteroromantic. My appreciation for him as a person increases. My appreciation of his body increases dramatically. I'm motivated to do the work to build the foundation and solve the problems. Heteroromantic. So while my attraction is initially strong and eventually declines with women, my attraction with men starts a little lower, but builds and remains strong over time. I would identify myself as a bisexual, predominantly heteroromantic woman. As I said at the beginning, you are far from alone in this quandary. You are absolutely normal. The unfortunate thing about how our culture has defined and venerated monogamy is that it makes it difficult to know how to move forward in really getting to know yourself. You can navigate these waters without blowing up your life, unless you choose to. If you'd like support in doing it, 
I'm here, either for one-on-one coaching or for group coaching, where you can experience the love and support of other women who are sorting through their own desire to really know themselves. So do you have an am I normal question? Call 720-GOOD-SEX and leave me a message. It can be up to two minutes long, and I may answer it in a future podcast. So now, before we go, I'm excited to introduce a new segment for these Lowdown episodes. I know that many of you are avid podcast listeners, and I also know that my favorite way to find new podcasts is to get recommendations from people I trust. So every other week, I'm going to introduce you to a podcast I found that I think you might enjoy. The subject matter may occasionally be related to sex and relationships, But lately, I'm actively working to broaden my listening horizons, so I'm seeking out shows that fit my basic vibe, interesting, thoughtful conversations and explorations on topics and from voices that are new to me. I'm really excited to introduce you to this week's podcast, The Changeover by Alana Sparrow. Alana and I are in a podcast group together where I saw her post on an intriguing title, white privilege versus black punishment. Given what's going on in the United States and around the world about recognizing racial inequality, I was immediately drawn in. And I was not disappointed as I listened to Alana break down how she thinks a simple word change could help ease the conversation. So here's a clip from Alana's show, The Changeover. For the changeover challenge this week, what I want to encourage those of you who listen and who have these tough conversations with people of different races who maybe for whatever reason they want to understand, they want to learn, and it's just not clicking because they don't understand this whole white privilege thing because they've never been privileged, quote unquote. Maybe if this is somebody that you still want to have a conversation with. And you still want to kind of get through to them or, you you know, you just don't understand because what they're saying doesn't match up with the person that you know them to be. Try having the conversation and instead of saying that this is about white privilege, see if it makes a difference when you say that this is about about black punishment. Because in reality, that's what it is. While it is a for us black people to say it's a privilege for white people to and anybody else to drive in their car and to get pulled over or to go for runs and things of that nature to do everyday life things that they may not see as a privilege. It's it's going to be hard for them to try to comprehend and try to really understand that that's a privilege to people because it's just life. However. When you say that you and other black people and even people of other races are being punished because of the skin tone, that might strike gold. I don't know. If y'all having those conversations, I say give it a try. I also say let me know how it goes. If you liked that, I highly encourage you to follow the link in the show notes to The Changeover. Her titles include ones that I know will be of interest to those of you who listen to this show. Surviving Domestic Violence, Why You Don't Need to Learn a New Skill During a Pandemic, 
And sometimes you just gotta piss people off. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Osiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs> <laughs>